Well, hello there, Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, this season, we're focusing on speaking to IT solution providers and managed service providers just like you to understand what makes them tick, the tools that they use that bring them success. So today, I'm joined by Shabad Chavla of TechSapiens, a young and innovative, fast-growing London-based MSP. Now, TechSapiens' managed service framework is based on the UK's Cyber Essential Scheme and other relevant industry standards. We'll dive into that much more shortly. But for now, Shabad, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, Richard. Very well. Thank you for having me. Now, we had a conversation just before we came on air. I think I'm saying, and I've known you for a little while, I think I'm saying pronouncing your name incorrectly. So I've, I think I've got the, the Shavla, Dan, uh, uh, properly now, but I'm putting too much emphasis on your first name there. I'm calling you Shabad, Shabad. I'm yes. doing that wrong. Please yeah. correct me. That's quite standard for anyone who speaks the English language. They say B-A-D, and that's bad. But um, I did have a nickname in school, but I won't go into that. But uh, no, it's pronounced Shabad, which Shabad. is a very, very flat, unemphasized version of that word. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Thank you. And and again, we were just saying before we came on air, I've known you for a little while now. We got to spend some time in person, didn't we, a few weeks ago in London at the, what I think was a wonderful event, the Super Ops MSP Super Summit. How did you find that event? Yeah, it was great. I think it was so refreshing to have an event where the vendor wasn't pitching anything. So it was yeah. completely pitch-free and that was really interesting. It, I think the reverse psychology works because I kind of wanted to find out more about their product. And I was like, why aren't you telling us about your product? Because I didn't know much <laughs> about it. I got the invitation, I turned up and I was like, yeah, this is great. Let's let's find out more about this. And then I was like, oh wait, they're not talking to us about their product at all. Uh, but no, I think it was great. It was nice. Uh, partly, I think it's just coming out of, still coming out of pandemic. You know, it's uh, it's just nice to be able to meet up with the community and get face to face and have a lot of the chat and the informal networking. Um, and then, of course, they had some great people on stage, uh, not the least of which was yourself. I and, thought you were going to uh, say, and you, Richard. <laughs> and, and, yeah, lots of great people and Richard. <laughs> uh, no, it was really nice. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a good good day that they organized. Yeah, like you, it was so wonderful to to catch up uh, with people and see you in person uh, as well. But I guess before we dive in very deep, help us understand a bit more about your MSP, Tech Sapiens. For instance, how many people have got have you got within your team? Well, as we were just talking about, that's a, a, a moving target that number. So mm. um, we've had, I think, and, and most people in the space will will relate to this in some way or another. We've grown a lot through the pandemic. Um, so we grew, we recruited, we found it hard to find the right people. Um, and so we've had to make some adjustments over the last few months. Fortunately, that's all getting a bit easier now. And that the, I think the recruitment market's coming back to some sort of normality, even yeah. though um, I think, well, salaries are definitely higher than they were a couple of years ago. But yeah, so um, I think uh, currently we are, uh, and this does shift, about eight, we're eight full-time plus about six part-time contractors working on or contractors or staff working on various things. Got it. And you were saying just before we came on air, and, and again, forgive me, everybody listening, I'm saying to you, wasn't I, we should have hit record and let everybody listen to these conversations. <laughs> yes. But just before you came on, we were chatting away like good friends. Uh, just before we came on air, you were saying, actually, uh, it's quite a challenge at the moment, isn't it, to find really good staff and, and you're looking around for like second, third line support, that type of person. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely looking for um, a senior tech to join our team. 
And we've gone through that whole process. And I think, again, it's, it's some of it is based on the fact that we have very specific types of clients. So we're looking for someone with very senior networking skill set, but also who can then help us on the knock on our automation, you know, that sort of thing. So, and I certainly see that's where, that's where we really need to be investing a lot of our time is on streamlining, knock automation, that sort of thing. Because you can spend as much time as you want going day to day dealing with issues but unless we actually focus on the higher value stuff we're not gonna we're not really gonna get there so i think that's definitely where we're looking now um, and focusing on energy we've also got a, a slightly different business model to the standard msp stuff because um, we do a bit of development work so we've got a number of developers who work with us and a devops engineer so we've got people who are kind of slightly outside the standard MSP infrastructure tech stack, I suppose, um, and also like a consultant who works on those projects for us as well. So quite a mix um, and possibly a little bit different to the standard MSP. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to get you back on the podcast at some point to talk about DevOps, actually, because it's an area I'm seeing growing in importance within the managed service provider space and this sort of crossover. Mm -hmm. And um, I was speaking to the guys from Linode, um, who are a, a, an alternative cloud provider. Mm -hmm. That seems to be a huge growth area uh, for managed service providers. But in, we're in danger of taking ourselves too far off the topic for today, but I'd love to touch on that in the future. So let's get back to TechSapiens. You're in one of the the world's most competitive uh, managed service provider markets, uh, uh, London. What type of clients do you typically work with? What do you do for them? That's a good question. So one of the things that we've started doing over the last few years is focusing on specific verticals that we're good at. Um, and how we got into those, I guess some of it is just an accident of history and, you know, you end up picking up a client in a particular vertical and then you get more in that space because you happen to know a few things. But I certainly think that's something that's helped our growth massively. Um, it's really driven our growth to focus on those verticals, to market to them, to become uh, a sort of a person who's or a company that's known for their expertise in that space. So I'll pick up one example, um, which is quite an underserved and it was a newish industry. So that of co-working spaces. So, you know, the, not the WeWorks of the world, but the, the smaller ones, the more independent ones with similar ambitions who want to grow and scale and, and do really well. Um, and so that co-working and flexible workspace market when we first came across it um, maybe seven years ago, was very new at the time. And all of the tech in that space was very ad hoc. It hadn't really been matured. And to be fair, I don't think it's matured even now. There's, you know, compared to other industries which have been around for much longer and then the tech's been around 50 years and, you know, they've had a lot longer to mature. So I think that's one of the things where we picked up quite a lot of business over the years in that space because we started working with them. And I think this is something that ties back to something that you said in the um, in the Super Ops Summit in your in your talk, which was the power of partnership. And I think that's one of the things that's really helped drive our growth is partnering with software providers in that space who have this great platform, but they need integrators to help their clients adopt it or consultants to help their clients adopt it. And nobody else knew about this. So they were trying to build a really great SaaS platform, but they don't really have the, the capability in-house to help focus 
their own internal efforts on adoption, integration, that sort of thing. So that's, I think, where an MSP comes in, right? It's like Microsoft have this great platform called Office 365. They're not really going to help every small business in the world adopt it. And so that's, I think it's the same thing, but that's really been, a, I think, a key part of our growth. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but what led you to work in the managed service provider industry? What was your origin story? So um, I think probably quite similar to a lot of people started in a technical role. Um, I actually sort of stumbled into it. I didn't have any great plans at the time. I started off actually working for a software company um, and that was way back, even part-time while I was still at university. And I remember I went off on a summer holiday and then came back after the summer holiday and walked into the office and looked around and thought, what's going on here? Because during that time, they'd lost one of their biggest contracts and made most of their staff redundant. Oh, wow. And I literally came back into this office and the lights were off. And I just thought, what's going on here? This not a good sign. <laughs> no, not a good sign. And during my time there, I think I saw different kinds of people and I saw possibly not indicative of the industry, certainly, because that was 20 years ago. And 20 years later, I know that that's not the truth. But at the time, I saw a lot of people who were doing work that I was doing as well when I was just an intern and a trainee. And I was like, these guys have been sitting here and doing this for 10 years, and they're doing the same thing. That sounds really boring. I don't want to be sitting in a cubicle, hammering away quietly in the dark corner um, for the next 10 years. So that's kind of what put me off software which is probably the worst decision I ever made because I'm sure there was lots of <laughs> other very good, very interesting, very innovative software companies out there. I mean, I know Google as a search engine was kind of becoming popular then. And I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. And I heard about it there in that office. And um, yeah, so so that's where I started. And then I met somebody who was running a, an IT company in the old model of, you know, a VAR uh, doing ad hoc break fix type of services, really enjoyed the project work, really enjoyed going out on site and meeting people and the variety that comes with that. So uh, that's kind of where I got into it. Yeah. yeah. I, don't if, I don't think I've ever shared with you, but my background has been not dissimilar. So I actually started off uh, in uh, programming in software as well. Oh, did you? I, and I really loved it. But like you, I thought, yeah, this is going to be very samey and I, yeah. I couldn't see myself doing it. So I moved across into IT support there. So fascinating to... to that to is hear. really interesting. I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I certainly think that it's those, you know, when you're young, you're quite impressionable. And the, my experience was so limited that I just saw this one company and thought, right, this is terrible. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be sitting here 10 years from now doing the same stuff or having been laid off because they've lost a contract or whatever. So um, having said that, you know, there were lots of others who were doing amazing work at the time. So yeah. yeah. But fast forward 20 years and you are thriving with the, the business you've got now. Let's dive a little bit deeper. You know, this season of Tub Talk, we are talking to MSPs like yourself to talk about their toolkit, their stack, what helps them make their business successful. So let's dive a little bit deeper and understand what your MSP stack looks like. What are the platforms that you use to run the MSP side of your business? So we are um well it, it, and I was going to say quite happily, but that might change now as uh, as news of acquisitions has come in over the last few weeks. So we're an Autotask, Dato, RMM house uh, at heart, um, and we use a number of other platforms, obviously, that plug into that. Qu 
quite similar to a number of others, I guess. So um, we use IT Glue for documentation. We use Zomentum for our, um, well, for coding and other parts of that sales process. Um, what else do we use? I'm trying to think. Um, well, we've talked about some other platforms that we use, which are probably not standard MSP stack, things like Keepable, mm. um, which is, you know, it's a, it's a platform that we use for helping clients with their GDPR process. Um, and I think, well, what else is there? We use CyberSmart, again, on the compliance side of things for things like Cyber Essentials. Don't know. Uh, one of the other tools that I've come across recently, actually, and I really loved, so we're, we're quite big on documentation and training. Uh, it's one of the things that we love to do lots of. I say we, I love to do lots of. Most of my team may not agree with that, but uh, <laughs> some of them, I think everyone accepts that it's important. Um, and it's something that we also do a lot of for our clients. So what one of the things that we've found is you do this big technology project and upgrade lots of stuff for people. And that's all great until they have to use it. And then when they start to use it, that's where things fall apart. Yes. And and then it may not fall apart immediately, but you know, they'll have a bit of staff turnover, something will change. They'll then say, right, okay. We we had this recently with a client um, who will safely remain nameless, where um someone who was there, it's like an operations manager, had to send an had to send some sort of like a, a welcome email to their database when they signed up or to new members in their database. And um, we found that they'd had some staff changes. And basically this person was going into their email box and forwarding an email manually to every new person who signed up. Oh, I just thought, what's going on here? Why are you doing this? And she just said, well, this is what I was told. This is what I have to do. And we're like, no, 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 this is a very manual, very horrible way of doing this. And actually the platform that you use, you literally, you go in there, you see all the new people who've signed up, you hit a box to say, select all and send welcome email. And that's it. It just does it in two clicks. And she was literally spending hours of her time doing this manually. Oh, and, and it's one of those things where you, that's where you kind of realize that having the platform is great. We set it up, we've trained them on it and everyone's fine. And then, you know, six months later, the person changed and they have no clue how to use it anymore. So documentation and training um, is where we kind of, so we use um, IT Glue. So we we actually do a training session on Teams with, with our clients. We'll record that. We'll stick it in Vimeo. We'll make it available through IT Glue to them so they can see it. We'll then create documentation based on that. So not only do they have a video, but they've also got a document because I think, the both the two things are they're really good side by side it's really nice to have both so and we found this tool called tangle um which is really great you can basically just go through the process of doing whatever it is that you're trying to document and it does it it documents it automatically for you so okay. it like automatically zooms into the right part of the screen it'll screenshot it it'll highlight the button that you've pressed it'll add a heading to it to say this is the step that you've done and it'll just prepare it into this really nice little document which you can easily edit and you can do a, a magic copy and paste it into it glue and you're done so that's quite that sounds cool. incredible. And what's that tool's called Tangle? What's the URL for that? Do you know? Tango.us. T-A-N-G-O, like the drink. Got it. Yes. Or dance. 
I'm looking at it now. So I will openly share with people listening to this show, and I've shared it once or twice before, the two great benefits of me getting guests uh, like we've got on today is, is twofold. The first one is you get to pick the brains of some really, really smart people. And I'm not immune to that. I love listening to that. And the other one is you get to hear about all of these cool tools that people are using out in the wild that they assume that everybody's heard of. And of course, they haven't. So we'll have a look at that one, tango.us. Uh, yeah, because... Like you, I'm a great believer in we've got to present people with information in, in the way that they want to consume it, not the way mm -hmm. we want to deliver it. So I started off my business creating lots of uh, um, standard operating procedures, SOPs, and I did everything written because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to, to read. And then my team started to grow. Some people prefer videos, some people prefer audio. And so we restart, started to record screenshots and other things. So that's a great example, you know, that you do the documentation and use Tango to capture those things as well. There's something you said earlier on, one of the tools. Uh, so you, you mentioned we've got a toolkit much like any, every other MSP. The first thing I would say to that is not every MSP uh, thinks that way. You know, some of the tools that you've got, not everybody's heard of before, Tango being one of those. But one of those tools that, that you did mention, uh, let's focus on that a little bit because I think it might be new to a lot of uh, the listeners, Keepable. So share with us how you use Keepable, what Keepable is, how it helps your clients. Sure. So Keepable is basically a, a GDPR compliance platform, um, which helps with the compliance journey. And I always stress the word journey because I think compliance is a journey. It's not, you know, it's not a, a state of being. It's not a destination. It's something that you have to keep doing, keep working on. Um, and we found when, the, you know, May 2018 or whatever it was when GDPR went into effect, um, everyone was running around with like a headless chicken trying to figure out what to do with it. Not really very clear on, on any of that. And this platform, the one which we found, like, honestly, I can't even remember how we came across it at the time. Um, it just made the whole thing so much easier. So they've got, it's a SaaS platform. It's actually really good for MSPs in the sense that it's multi-tenant. You know, you have your tenant, you've got your customers underneath it. Um, obviously, there's a, a licensing model, so you can resell it. But also, I think really the key, the key benefit is that they've got this really nice almost wizard-driven interface where you can start clicking through and it'll prompt you to say, okay, what are your activities? What activities do you perform in your business? And as you go through them, you'll say, okay, I've got marketing, I've got finance, I've got HR, I've got legal, I've got whatever. Um, and as you go through them, it'll just ask questions that helps you build up a picture of what you're doing with data in the organization. Um, and then as once you've run through that, it creates like a data map and then you can go off and do things like, um, you know, if you've had a breach, you can handle breaches in there. If you've had a subject access request, you can handle those in there. So it's, I think it's a really good platform for a lot of people. And it's probably strange to say this in May 2022, because it's been four years since GDPR came into effect. Um, but I think there's still a lot of organizations who haven't got a good handle on GDPR, um, even four years later. 
Yeah, I, I was going to ask you the question because if we rewind uh, back to when GDPR uh, legislation uh, actually came into effect, I saw two types of MSPs, and I don't know if this uh, matches with your um, a view on the world as well. There was those MSPs like yourself who saw this as an opportunity. They saw it as an opportunity to speak to their clients about data security, about standardization, about all sorts of things. And then there was other MSPs who went, oh, something else we've got to do. And they basically stuck their head in the sand. So my question to you is, what made you go down the road of saying GDPR is a good opportunity for us? Yeah, I think I certainly did. And I think the reason for that is that, I mean, when you when you look at it, it all makes sense, right? These are things that we actually want as a, as a private citizen, as an individual, these things make sense and privacy is important. And Although privacy is also probably an illusion, but um, <laughs> you know, if if you if you these are things that we objectively think we all agree on that we want and they're good to have, then the only way to have that is if organizations that hold our data actually comply with it, and that's from a personal point of view. But I think from a business owner's point of view, a lot of what we're talking with our clients about anyway is, you know, we always referred back to the principles of data protection and compliance and regulatory frameworks and things like that. So I think these things just help provide a framework for that thinking. And one of the things that I think the MSP IT provider landscape hasn't had a lot of is frameworks that are specific to us. And so we kind of try and adopt frameworks from various other areas. And so, yeah, you can pull ISO 27001, you can pull um, whether it's a cybersecurity framework from somewhere else. So I think these are things that just help us sort of talk about why we're referring to certain things. Why, why is security important? Why do you need a firewall? Why do you need encryption? Why do you need any of this stuff? And I think the answers are all there in these compliance frameworks. So from, from our point of view, it was just like, okay, we always push about push encryption, firewalls, security, endpoint security, you know, the principles of um, yeah, least privilege and all of that stuff. So this is just another framework that has now been ratified that says these are all sensible things to be talking about. Yeah. And yeah. something you said earlier on about, you know, um, these type of regulations, uh, these type of uh, platforms being a work in progress. They're, they're, they're continuously going. One area that I found that GDPR has been good for MSPs who have adopted it is, of course, it's not once, it's not one and done. So you don't say, right, you are GDPR compliant, job done, we will see you in four years. It yeah. doesn't work like that. No. So what I found is those MSPs who have adopted the GDPR um, uh, situation is they've gone to clients and they've said, here are the areas that you need improving on. Here are the areas that are good at the moment. And the clients come back to them and said, that looks like a lot of work. Is there anything that you could do for us on an ongoing basis to make sure that everything works? And you say, aha, let me speak to you about managed services. Of yes. course, we don't we don't refer to it as managed services with clients. Have you found a similar situation where GDPR has led to managed service uh, provider contracts for you? Yeah, I think it's happened in both ways. I think it's uh, it's obviously a, a really good add-on for existing clients for us to be able to talk to them about GDPR and help them with their compliance, um, and and the other way around as well. Because obviously there are people who you know are struggling with that specific need. I think the difficulty with that is that 
people don't think of, and you know, we, we say managed service provider, but a lot of people will be like, oh, IT support or whatever it is. They don't really think of IT support as the company that's going to help them with their GDPR compliance. Right. And that's kind of more almost a legal sort of thing. They'd be looking for whether it's not, not really a lawyer, but, you know, someone who's a privacy expert or compliance expert or that sort of thing. So I think that's, it's sort of a question of where on that continuum between IT support, system integrator, consultant, uh, you know, all there's that massive continuum and where do we want to sit as an MSP? And I think we want to try and move up that continuum to the higher value end of that, which then means that we have to talk about stuff like this because these are the these are big business issues, right? It's not just technology, it's actually a business issue. And I think it definitely helps because it opens up conversations with the right stakeholders, the right decision makers about the right kind of thing. And if we're talking about GDPR compliance, then things like firewalls and encryption and all the other bits that come from a managed service agreement, they're just like a given. You just have to have that. So you don't even really have to think about it very much. Yeah. Right now, for anybody listening to this and thinking, why should I get excited about GDPR? I want you to rewind and listen to what has just been said there because you have summarized it better than any MSB I've ever come across, just the, what the opportunity is there. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. I thought I was the only person on the planet who got excited about GDPR, but I think you put it in a way that other people will be now. Somebody else who gets very excited about GDPR, we share a mutual friend in Robert Bohr of uh, Keepable. Now, Robert um, is the CEO and founder of uh, Keepable. We've had him on the show before. This is one of the smartest guys that I've ever met in this industry or indeed any other industry. And one of the nicest. And one of the nicest as well. And we're going to give Robert a swollen head listening to this. But <laughs> how would you describe TechSapien's relationship with Keepable as a business? So we, yeah, I, I, like I said, I can't remember how we first met, how and when. It's been it's been a long time. Um, and I've known Robert and his team for, for many years now and seen them from when they were sort of much more startup-y and they've, they've grown and matured a lot over the last few years. Um, I think they've been really brilliant as a, as sort of supporting our journey on helping our clients with GDPR compliance. And they've been very supportive and they'll kind of say, yeah, no problem. If you've got a client, we want to talk to them. Let's have a call with them. No problem. If you're actually getting them set up and you want to run through things, that's absolutely fine. And actually, the one thing I didn't mention is they've got this thing, um, which is like a a policy pack, basically, where you get a whole bunch of ready-made policies, which can then be tweaked and tailored to suit the client. And that's one of the, the biggest things, actually, that I think is really good about that platform is you can you don't have to write because otherwise you get the platform you do your data maps and things like that but then you've got to have a policy for data governance right and they'll actually give you those and then you can just adopt them for that particular client's needs so i think it's it's really good and yeah they're great guys to work with yeah did you consider any other uh, gdpr platforms before designing your capable we did. Uh, and now if you ask me which ones, I can't remember because it was <laughs> a few years ago when we yeah. did the exercise. Uh, I think we ended up with a short list of three or four. Um, and just by engaging with the different vendors out there, we ended up saying, I thought we think Keepable is uh, probably the best one for our needs. 
Yeah. yeah. Any any advice for people who run MSPs listening about researching, shortlisting, selecting the right vendor? Because there's a lot of angst at the moment, isn't there, in the wider industry about the relationship between vendors and MSPs? Yet, like yourself, I am seeing so many MSPs who have got a great relationship with their vendor, with certain of their vendor clients, and others maybe not so much. So any advice to MSPs about researching, shortlisting, and selecting the right vendor for their business? So I came across this, uh, and I don't know if that's exactly what you mean, but I came across uh, something called a, I'm probably going to get the name wrong, but like a, a, a weighted matrix, um, okay. which is basically a way of you, you have the, the different vendors on one on one side, and then you've got the different features or, or things that you care about on another, and then you assign a weight to each one of those. So how important is this feature to me? How important is that? So it could be pricing or, you know, single sign-on or whatever it is as a, as a feature. Um, and then you give each one of those vendors a score based on, you know, scale of whatever, zero to five. And at the end of it, you end up with a total score for each vendor that's weighted based on how, what the relative importance of that feature is. Um, and I think that's something that is a hugely it's it's so much easier to look at that and be like, hmm, yeah, okay, I can see now that this vendor is actually much much scores much higher for us um, based on our needs than this other one. Otherwise, you just you just drown in you know. There's as you said, there's so many vendors out there. It's quite hard to choose between them. It's a time consuming exercise. It's not quick, but I think it 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 adds like a level of. Um, yeah, just a level of confidence to say, right, we've gone through an act, quite a rigorous process. And obviously, you know, if it's if it's an important vendor you'd spend or an important decision, you spend more time on it. And if it's something that's small, then actually you just say, right, we just take a take a punt, see how it works and cancel the free trial at the end of the month and go move on to the next one. So, yeah, you know, it just depends on how big of a decision it is. Um, certainly, well, I've been talking to a lot of MSPs who are currently changing PSA or RMM providers. And, you know, that's something that I would go through that exercise for, for sure, because it's not something that you do lightly. I mean, I honestly, the thought of changing uh, a PSA or RMM provider to me is like, you're performing open heart surgery on your business. Be prepared to be in, in that. It's like a six month project, right? It's not going to be something you do overnight. So uh, I think it's very brave <laughs> to be yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's your business operating system. At the end of the yeah. day, it's the center of everything that you do. So um, I couldn't agree more. And fascinating to hear about you know that the the way you weight up the decision there. So thank you for sharing that. So clearly, capable uh, scored very highly on your decision uh, making tree. If if anybody's listening to this and wants to find out more about Keepable, um, we've uh, put together a resource page with to accompany this episode. If you go to tub.co forward slash keepable that's k-e-e-p-a-b-l we've actually got a video demo there's a previous interview that i recorded with robert Bohr from keepable as well so uh, if you want to go and check out what we're talking about here go and have a look for that but i want to move the the conversation forward a little bit at this stage so i mentioned in my introduction for you that tech sapiens you know you focus your managed service framework very much on the uk's uk government cyber security um uh, cyber essential scheme and other relevant frameworks as well, which I'm sure we'll go into. Tell us more about how that evolved for you. Um, yeah, I actually think 
And well, you may you may correct me, uh, or you may find that it's different. And I probably I think everything is relevant relative to your own experience. I actually think we came across cyber essentials quite late in the day. Okay. Um, but uh, and and it was several years ago when we did, and I th- I kind of thought, ooh, where has this been hiding? Why haven't I known about this before? And when we did come across, I thought this is perfect. This is you know. It's by no means the gold standard of anything, but as a as a standard, as a starting point, it's a really good, again, it's a framework, it's a point of reference, it's something you can point at and say, right, this is why we're saying you should do this, because the government has this framework and they've, uh, you know, that's their recommendation. And it's, it's very much the essentials level, right? It's the It's the baseline. It's not the gold standard. It's not a financial services organization should or a bank is going to go well in excess of whatever the cyber essentials framework says but everyone should try and get to that level um and there are others like iasme gold well iasme are now the the only certifying body for cyber essentials whereas it used to be two bodies back in the day um and the scheme itself has changed quite a lot i think very recently there's been some changes so I'm actually quite happy to see how much attention is being paid to this side of things now, especially for SMEs, because we find, and I'm sure a lot of other MSPs will agree, that the level of, even to say cybersecurity, just cyber hygiene in in SMEs is still really scary. Um, And we come across, you know, very reputable, uh central london you know fancy address type of organizations that if you look at what's happening behind the scenes in their it organization it's it's just scary so i have a i was talking to somebody the other day and i i can't remember what what it was but they said um an example of someone you know just going through some sort of certification and they don't they shouldn't really have it or something like that and oh, sorry, I remember what it was actually. They said in India, which is where I'm from originally, um, there was a there's a new law that's been passed, which is that any cyber incident must be reported to the government or the relevant ministry or body within six hours. Um, which I thought, wow, that's that's quite interesting. Six hours is not a long time to report a cyber breach, no. and especially when you consider that most cyber breaches sit undetected for 300 days or whatever the whatever the figure is at the moment and i just thought it's great to do that but india is a country where they can make up all the laws they want it make it means nothing right it's so meaningless and I, we're probably going to go off on a tangent but i'll very quickly talk about something that i've seen which is it's so scary so i was in india once and they the they introduced a new sort of ID card system. And so while I was there, I thought, oh, I better go and just get one of those because I'll probably need it at some point in the future for something. So I went to get one. And the organizations that are authorized to issue these ID cards, basically these guys have a little shop in the middle of a crowded little market somewhere. And they got a bunch of guys sitting there on, you know, Windows XP computers. Um, and they'd had some dealing with me before. So they said, oh, let me see if we can look you up. And literally they click start, type in my name in the start menu search or whatever it was. <laughs> and my name pops up and, oh, there's a copy of my driver's license sitting on their hard drive, unencrypted, 
in completely unstructured data, everything else. Yeah, yeah, we've got your details here. Log into a government portal, no security, no passwords or anything, no MFA, nothing like that. Say, yeah, we can access your details. We can generate this new ID card for you. We print it out. We print it onto a little plastic card. Here's your new ID. Thanks very much. And that was it. I was out there. I was just terrifying. Like, yeah. That is terrifying. They could do that a hundred times. And even if they weren't trying to do anything, anyone could walk in there, grab one of those computers, walk out, and you know, you've got access to who knows how many thousands of people's worth personal data. So that's yeah, uh, India is obviously a different different market, but certainly, as I said, even in central London, I think there's uh, there are very very scary stories. So I think yeah. stuff like cyber essentials, where if we can start pushing everyone to have some sort of minimum baseline, that'll be a big step forward. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and are based outside of the UK, as a lot of listeners to the podcast are, and thinking mm, cyber essentials perhaps won't apply uh, to us, have a look in your local uh, country, your local environment, because I'm seeing all over the world there are schemes like cyber essentials springing up that can give you the framework to work from and uh, other relevant frameworks that you can use as a basis there. So thank you for sharing about that. We'll include all details of those uh, frameworks that we talked about in the show notes for this show, but back to you. I'm intrigued. What have you found the most challenging thing about running an IT business? Ooh, um, that's easy, actually. <laughs> that's an easy one. We were talking about it before. So as based on my experience, um, I've always found it quite easy to, to do the IT, to do the tech stuff. Um, I'm generally... I don't think I was originally, but I found it quite easy to also get organized and be organized and, and you know, structure things well so you can run projects properly and do things like that. I also found it very easy to work with clients. I just, I think naturally that's just how I am and I find it really easy to work with them. So if you're good at technology, good at being organized and good with working with clients, then all of that stuff is actually quite straightforward. The thing that I found hardest is building a team. Um, right. It's the thing that I had the least experience with. And as you transition from being an IT person to a consultant to a business owner, I think that's the, the role changes a lot. And that's one of the things that I think I've definitely had to work hardest on. Um, and when I say I don't mean had to work in the past tense, have to work hardest on, uh, definitely in the present tense, because it's it's one of those things that possibly just doesn't come that naturally to me. and. Yeah, I, I think it's it's an absolute it's a really important skill to have when you run a business, unless you decide actually I'm not gonna have this skill and just hire in people who have that skill and they can then deal with the others. And that I think might be a valid approach as well. But that's certainly the thing that I've struggled with the most, I think. Yeah, and you definitely won't be alone. There's going to be people listening to this who are uh, nodding their head in agreement. You and I as friends were joking just before we came on air, and I said years ago when I ran my MSP business, I said, this would be a really easy gig if we just eliminated the clients and the staff <laughs> You know, running an MSP sim <laughs> yeah. apart from that. So, so let's talk about the things that you enjoy then. What's your favorite thing about running an IT business? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, I think these are some things that somehow get a little bit harder to answer because I am so used to running an IT business and I have done for many years that you kind of forget what life was like when I wasn't doing this. And 
Um, I think I was fortunate enough, even in my previous, before I, I founded TechSapiens, even the previous business, it was a very small IT services company and I had a, a kind of a similar role. So very, you know, do whatever you feel like, very independent, very lots of authority, lots of independence. But I think those are things, I think the independence is definitely a big part of it, right? Is um, being able to set your own agenda, define priorities, go off and do that. Um, I like technology. So I think that's one of the things that I really like playing with technology and, and learning new things. And this obviously gives you a, 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 you know, a blank check to go off and do that, which is really nice. Um, I think I do really actually enjoy solving problems for people and helping them. And so I think that, you know, when you get sort of the feedback and we're, we're getting a little bit better about being um, regular and structured in our, in our approach to collecting feedback from clients after we've helped them with a project or a problem or something like that. And um, now when I look at it, I'm like, Ooh, actually, you know, you put it, they put it into their own words and you're like, wow, we've really helped these people. We've really made a difference to their business. And certainly like I was referring to, you know, there are some industries where there just isn't that much out there. I think if you're um, a lawyer or a financial services company, there's lots of very specialist IT providers out there who can help you with your needs and can probably do a very good job. If you're in co-working, there just aren't that many. So mm -hmm. they will come across other IT companies who will try and fix their problems, but they don't know the industry. They don't know the platforms. They don't know the tools and they get it all wrong. And then they struggle for a month or six months or a year. And then they find you and you're like, oh my God, where have you been all this time? So I really <laughs> yes. like that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things, I think, is just like, uh, yeah, and I'd love to solve it earlier so that they don't have to go through all that pain to finally find us and think, Jesus, where have you guys been all this time? Yeah, life becomes so much more fun, doesn't it, when you narrow your scope and focus on becoming really, really good at a few things rather than trying to be everything to everyone. That's certainly what I found anyway, and perhaps a perhaps a lesson. Talking of really, really good, you and I had a lot of fun. We were at the uh, the Tet Tribe tribal dinner in uh, London uh, the other week as well. You're a member of the Tet Tribe, same as myself. What do you get from peer communities like the Tet Tribe? I think it's absolutely massive, to be honest, the benefit you get from this stuff. Um, I think being a business owner is otherwise can be quite lonely. Um, and I think certainly in, as I said, in, in IT businesses, most people actually tend to start out being a, a technical person and then you kind of work your way up from there. So not knowing, you know, all the stuff that there is to know about finance and HR and legal and marketing and sales and all of this stuff that goes into actually running a business. If, if we didn't have the community, I have no idea where I would go to learn this stuff, to be honest. It's like, it's like university, um, you know, for, for all of us who skipped the, and actually I have a degree in business, so I probably shouldn't even say that, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, the community, I think, is massive from the learning and the support and whether it's little things like, actually, I found Tango on the Tech Tribe. So there you Me go. Too. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and it was Javier who posted it. And then very quickly after that, six other people said, oh, I use Scribe. I use Folger. I use this. And we very quickly went and did a quick analysis and looked at all of the platforms, did a test. And we were like, yeah, OK, found the one we like. Done. Um, 
but you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's all, you know, someone's thought of it and chances are someone's thought of it. And then you can just go and, and learn from that. So I think it's great. Yeah. I, you know, I've been a part of the Tetri business with Nigel for a few years now. And I actually said to him, um, I wish this was around when I was running a managed service provider business because it would have made life so much easier uh, uh, back then. So I totally empathize with everything that you've said. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, well, you know, you and I both know Ben, Ben Spector quite well. And uh, he said the same thing. So I didn't realize it, but I introduced him to the tech tribe and um, he just said, you know, and that was, I think, three months after he'd sold his MSP. Uh, and he was like, where has this been the whole time? He had no idea this community existed. And I think it's such a massive support to all of us. So, yeah, I think, well, well done, Nigel and co. But also more broadly, not just the tech tribe. There's lots of communities out there. You know, there's the the uh, the one I came across more re- most recently was the uh, MSPs in the UK Discord. Yeah, second person, there. second person this week to to mention that to me yeah. as well. Tell us more about that. So obviously it's a Discord channel. Yeah, and I think quite similar to the MSP Geek, uh, MSP Geek Slack channel. Um, and I, I think you either love or hate Slack and Discord because right. it's just like the stream of consciousness from the hive mind. Um, so it it's not. I honestly, I'm a, I'm a more of a structured person. So I prefer the likes of the tech tribe where there's a forum and there's a topic for a post and then you can, you know, follow a single topic. Whereas this is just like, okay, here's a million people talking about a million things, but again, massive, right? The kind of support you can get on there and the, the speed of response, I think is one of the really cool things. You can post something and you'll have 10 people's eyes on it in the next two minutes. Um, and you know, probably 10 smart experienced people looking at it, ready to jump on and give you an answer to a problem that you maybe have no clue about. And I think just that being able to tap into that hive mind and crowdsource all of that stuff is so powerful that it's immense. And I don't know, I think a lot of people have said that they don't know that many industries where people are so willing to just share information with their peers, people who would normally be competitors. Um, you know, like we have a, we have a group, so I don't, the, the tech tribe set up these tribal accountability groups. Accountability groups. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we've got it, our, our tribal accountability groups been going for a year or, or however long since they were set up. And I have to say, we're not very good at accountability, <laughs> but, uh, but we are really good as a peer group. And so it's a group of five or six businesses and we actually try and meet every week, um, on teams and every so frequently in person. And it's just brilliant being able to just bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, and it becomes like this trusted core group of advisors who actually may have similar or different businesses and technically your competitors, but the the market is so massive that yes. there's no need to worry about talking to a competitor in that sense, is there? Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm exactly from the same mindset as you. You know, when I ran my managed service provider business way back when, um, I used to attend uh, what was called back then the Small Business Specialist Community SBSC. Uh, Do you know that's where I came across you? It's really yes. all those years yeah, ago. Absolutely. Oh goodness, Thames, a... Thames Valley SBS TV SBSC. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh, that's where I first heard of Richard Tubb. Um, oh well, and, well, I, yeah. they, I, you know, so many people, uh, Chris, Tim, and um, uh, 
Steve Pratlove, others have run that group over the year. And I regularly used to get, well, regularly, at least once a year, used to go down to that group mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy the free pizza and yeah, uh, speak to the group there. And I tell you what, back in the day as well, when I was a managed service provider, I've shared this before, but my competitors thought I was absolutely insane for going and talking at these groups about how I ran my MSP business, what worked, what didn't. But I've said, as you just alluded to, this industry is so over. Open, so honest, so happy to help uh, one another. Uh, and it's very, very rare. So, so many communities out there that um, perhaps will keep the information to themselves. The managed service provider industry, not like that at all. Everybody is there to help one another. So, but yeah, brilliant shout out for uh, SBSC in the Thames Valley there. there you That's go. A, an old school shout out. Have you been along to the, uh, the Tech Tribe London meetup uh, since? I have, yeah. I, um, I'm not as regular as I'd like because I I only spend about half my time in London. So it just depends on whether my diary has me in London or not. But I've now started to try and time things around that, which is brilliant, I think. So, yeah, um, I've been to a couple of those. And uh, I think um, Daniel Welling, who's doing a great job of of chairing or hosting those. Um, yeah, he, he's been great. And uh, in fact, I've just got a call with Daniel, which I need to postpone because we're still chatting. So. <laughs> Well, Sorry, Daniel. We'll apologise on air to him. I know he does listen to the podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, they're great as well. It's again, it's one of those things where you just sit down and have a proper good old chat for a couple of hours, talk about everything. We we got a new, uh, we had a new voting system that we implemented last week. So everyone goes around and says what topics they'd want to talk about. Then we vote on them, and then we talk about the most popular ones and and take it. And I think it's a great way of really getting so much feedback from the community and and in an informal relaxed environment which you know you probably won't get the same thing online or anything else so i think there's yeah. definitely uh, a benefit to doing it in person and sitting around and having a beer and a chat Agreed. And those uh, UK groups, the Tech Tribe local groups, we've actually got groups in Canada, in the US, uh, we're just starting in Australia and Europe as well. Uh, those are a, a di- direct descendant, really, of the old SBS- SBSC groups, because Nigel and I, when we ran our MSP businesses, as I've alluded to, we got so much value from those local groups, but they sort of died to death and went away. So the Tech Tribe local groups, we've made them open to not just Tech Tribers, but to, to anybody in the industry, vendors, non tech drivers, anybody who works in the MSP space to come along to. And if you're, you know, listening to this and this is all new to you, you know, go and check out uh, the Tech Tribe local groups. Just do a Google search for that and you'll find a group nearby uh, to you. Um, I'm conscious of your time. We've already kept Daniel Welling waiting uh, uh, for a call with you. So just as we come towards the end of our time, I know you're somebody who's got his finger on the pulse. You're a bit of a visionary, a futurist here. Where do you see the MSP industry going over the next few years? Ooh, um, that's... I've never really thought of myself as a futurist or a visionary, to be fair. (laughs) But uh, I mean, I think think a lot of people are talking about various aspects of things like um, AI as being one of those. And I think AI is this massively overused term that a lot of us don't really understand what it means. And, um, but I do think that's certainly, you know, we've got to talk about one of the things that are, is our, on our high on our agenda is automation. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of MSPs can probably, including us can benefit a lot from is we're still, even though we are technical people, we're still doing things the old way. And 
there's a lot of probably new platforms coming out which can help with that. And I know there's lots of uh, lots of talk about AI in the space, but I don't think it's quite made its way to um, the MSP space yet. And I think I've seen it in the enterprise IT space for sure. Um, for example, there's a company called MoveWorks. I don't know if you've come across it. I haven't. I'll check them out though. Okay. So MoveWorks are basically, um, they're moved beyond IT now and it's sort of an employee assistance type of uh, engine, AI engine, or uh, they probably hate me using the word engine, but, uh, and I apologize to Baron, who's a friend of mine, but anyway, um, they are effectively doing IT support completely AI driven. So, and directly in a platform that people already have. So for example, you'll have like a Slack bot or a Teams bot that sits there in Teams. And if you're an employee of this company and you say, hey, I'm having a problem with my office and it'll just respond and say, okay, what's going on? Tell me more about it and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll just reinstall Office for you or I'll just add a license for you or I'll fix this. And it's doing it all automated. So I think, I don't remember what the, the numbers are, but something like 60% of IT support queries were being resolved by a bot. Wow. Um, which is massive. Huge. Yeah. 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 And again, they started in the enterprise space because you can build up that wealth of knowledge because it's a very standardized environment. And, you know, then you say, okay, when we figured out how to solve this Microsoft Office problem for this user, then it kind of transfers very clearly to the other users in that same organization. And I think in the MSP space, it's a bit harder because there's less standardization. But I think standardization is something that MSPs are moving towards as well. And with the likes of whether it's Microsoft Lighthouse or, you know, whether it's like MSP Easy Tools or whatever, any of these tools that help us multi manage multiple tenants and ensure that there's a consistent baseline across lots of different tenants, that then lends itself to this sort of thing where we can say, yeah, actually all of our clients have this sort of structure in their 365 environments or whatever it is. And you can then start to use a lot more automation and AI to drive that. So I think that's something that's probably several years out, but that's definitely one that I find very interesting. And again, it's it's. I think you could take two two ways of looking at it. You could say, oh, it's threatening our jobs, and you know they're going to take away our jobs, and everything's going to be automated. But I just think we have to move up the value chain. And if we're relying on things that can easily be automated, then that's probably not going to last very long. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Absolute goals. What you've shared there, as you have throughout this entire conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. It's interesting when I called you a futurist. There, I said you've got the finger on the pulse, and you said, oh, "I've never viewed myself that way." In my experience, people like yourself who do fit into that category rarely perceive themselves in that way, whereas other people um, absolutely do. And I think for those uh, people who are not aware of your work before now, they're absolutely going to be aware of it and you're going to have made a lot of new fans today with uh, this conversation. So thank you so much. I'm going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who want to reach out to you, continue the conversation afterwards. If anybody did want to reach out, get in touch with you online, how can they find you? Um, so, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I think that's very kind of you. And, uh, yeah, well, if, if you think it, then it must be true. So I'll, I'll happily, <laughs> um, I can, I'm, I'm online on, on all the usual platforms. I'm not that active on social. I just, 
I don't know, I've sort of fallen out of love with social a little bit. I'm trying to get back into it. I'm quite aware that I need to up my LinkedIn game and get back online and things. It's just, I think it kind of goes in waves for me and then you get busy with doing stuff in the business and I'm like, ah, I'm not really spending time. But yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Um, I don't really do very much on there, but certainly on LinkedIn. So I think that's probably the easiest place to connect. Wonderful. Well, we will include uh, all of your contact details in the show notes. So if you're listening to this and want to find out more, go to www.tublog.co.uk, find the episode and we'll, we'll have everything uh, that you've talked about today, plus lots more, I'm sure, as well. This has been incredible. Thanks so much for your time. And apologies, we've made you overrun and miss your call with Daniel Welling. That's not he's, a problem. He's, he's he's replied to me with a thumbs up, so it's fine. <laughs> he's, he's all right. <laughs> he's a good friend. I'm sure he will understand, but I will let you get off and go to that call. Thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Cheers. Thanks. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. 